Well, the Old Testament lesson appointed for this evening as we thank God for his grace this past year and look forward to a new year of of grace as we live in his love and forgiveness in Christ. We listen to the words of the psalmist from Psalm 90. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth or Ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust and say, return, O children of man. For a thousand years in your sight are as yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away as with a flood, they're like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and it is renewed In the evening it fades and it withers. For we are brought to an end by your anger. By your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins, in the sight of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are seventy, or even by reason of strength eighty, Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They're soon gone and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The epistle lesson is from Paul's letter to the Romans, the eighth chapter. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died And more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I invite you to rise as we speak the Alleluia verse and hear the gospel lesson. Alleluia, the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. Alleluia. The Holy Gospels according to St. Luke, the 12th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said, Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. 
Truly, I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table, and he will come and serve them. And if he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left the house to be broken into. You also must be ready. You must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Let us bow our head for a word of prayer. Lord, we are so thankful this night for this year of grace that we have just experienced. We thank you for bestowing your grace, your undeserved favor upon us each and every day through your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you for granting us your grace of forgiveness. Thank you for giving us your grace of, of feeding us with your word and sacrament. Thank you for your grace of blessing us with one another, the fellowship of believers. Thank you for your grace in which you assure us again and again that eternal life is ours with you. And Lord, as we look forward to 2022, we know that your grace will continue to rest upon us as you have promised us your grace through your Son, Jesus, our Savior, the babe born in Bethlehem, who we worship and adore. Lord, now bless us with your grace as we meditate upon your word this night. It's in the name of Jesus, the Christ child, that we pray. Amen. Well, as we begin a new year, it is always customary to greet one another with the phrase, Happy New Year. But these words often ring hollow because we know that flipping a page on a calendar doesn't change our current situation. Our problems remain the same. Our family issues remain the same. Our job-related difficulties probably will remain the same. And then there will continue to be poverty, and there will continue to be unemployment, and inflation will probably continue to to rise. We'll continue to struggle with the pandemic and all of the fallout of that. We'll continue to see conflict between nations and even between people in our own nation. And the list could go on and on and on. And so as we reflect on the forecast of the events for 2022, we might be wondering, well, what's going to be so happy about this new year? Now, lest we bury our heads, our heads in our hands and resign ourselves to another year of bloops, bleeps, and blunders even before it's begun, let's consider what happened a week ago. You know, Christmas. I know the Christmas music stopped being played at, the, well, probably about 12.01 a.m. on December the 26th. Valentine hearts and cupids have replaced Santas and mistletoes in our stores. Many people have already kicked their Christmas tree to the curb and have stored their decorations in the attic. Christmas is over. But is it? 
we're still celebrating Christmas, aren't we? I mean, we're amid right now the 12 days of Christmas. We're only about halfway through. For Christians, Christmas lasts until January the 6th, on the day that we celebrate Epiphany, which is known as the Christmas of the Gentiles, the focus of the Magi coming from the East and worshiping the Christ child. Yes, it's Christmas. And so Merry Christmas to all of you. It's the Christmas message that makes for a happy new year. Every year. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the eternal Word made flesh, our Savior from sin, death, and the devil, is our guardian. He's our guardian throughout the new year. The Christ child came at Christmas to make a difference in our lives. Not just for one day, December 25th, but for every day of our lives. And every day of every year that God grants us life. And that's what the colors of Advent and Christmas remind us of. Of the difference that Jesus makes in our life and continues to make in our life. And so let's just, for the next few moments, reflect upon the colors of Advent and Christmas that we've already talked about in our Sunday services. We began talking about the color green. Do you remember what the color green reminds us of? Green is the color of life, isn't it? And we who were once dead in our trespasses and sins have been made alive as the Holy Spirit created faith in our heart in holy baptism. And the Holy Spirit has continued to sustain us in that faith as as the Holy Spirit nourishes us through that word. And so we have life, spiritual life. We're alive in the Lord. And we also were reminded that the color green reminds us that we'll be evergreen. That even though we're die, even though we may die, we will die, we will live with the Lord forever. And then there was the color purple. That's more of an Advent color, isn't it? But what did the color purple remind us of? Well, it reminded us of royalty, of repentance. Yes, the color purple during the season of Advent reminds us that Christ is our King. Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and He rules and reigns over all things for the good and for the sake of the church, His people. And since He is our King, we humble ourselves before Him in repentance. And we ask Him to continue to forgive us for our sins, which He does. We talked about the color red. Red is the color of sacrifice. It's the color of celebration. And so as we look at red and we see red during the Advent and Christmas season, we're reminded of the blood that Jesus shed for us on the cross of Calvary. And because Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary, shedding his blood for us in payment for our sin, we know that we're victorious over Satan and sin and death. And that gives us cause to celebrate throughout the year. And what about the color blue? 
Well, blue is the color of water and eternity. Blue reminds us of the blue waters of holy baptism and the hope that we have in the resurrected Christ. That sure hope that at the second coming of our Lord and Savior, our physical body will be resurrected from the dead and will be united with our, our soul and body will be united and we will live with the Lord forever. And this gift of eternal life was first promised to us in the blue waters of baptism when we were received into God's family as his children. And what about the color white? Well, on Christmas Eve, we were reminded that the color white reminds us of purity and holiness. White reminds us that although our sins are as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Our sins are as white as snow because the spotless lamb of God was slain for the sins of the world, for your sins and mine. And that means that in the eyes of our God, we're pure, we're holy, because we have been cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. And so, yes, the colors of Advent and Christmas assure us that the Christ child makes a difference. He makes a difference every day of our life. And it's this good news that truly makes the new year a joyful one. The advent of Jesus as the baby in Bethlehem certainly made a difference, didn't it? In the lives of the wise men. They traveled many, many miles to offer gifts to the newborn king. Listen to Matthew chapter 2. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. And assembling all of the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, In Bethlehem of Judea. For so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And then Herod summoned the wise men secretly, and he ascertained from them from what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them, and it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and they worshipped him. And in opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. The wise men offer the Christ child gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When we think of gold, we think of riches, and we think of wealth. And people of riches and wealth usually also have power. 
And so as we reflect on this account of the wise men tonight, we, we're reminded that gold, gold reminds us of the riches that we have. Riches that are greater than gold and frankincense and myrrh. Riches that are ours through the infant Jesus. The wise men are rich. I mean, they come bearing expensive gifts, don't they? Treasures fit for a king. These gifts that they bring represent wealth. And the wise men are seen to be powerful, powerful enough that when they do arrive in Jerusalem, they warrant a visit, a meeting with King Herod. But even though these wise men are rich, wealthy, and have power, prestige, when they meet the Christ child, what do they do? When they stand before the long-awaited king, they kneel. They kneel before the Christ child, and they worship him. They worship him as Lord. And then they present their treasures to the king of all kings. And after worshiping the infant, they depart for their homeland. But they do so filled with hope and joy. They do so with courageous hearts, even willing to disobey the command of the manic King Herod the Great. And you know, they depart richer than when they came. For with their own eyes, with their own eyes of faith, they got to see the King of Kings, the Savior of the nations. Believing in and worshiping Jesus makes a difference in our life. We come to Bethlehem every Christmas mindful of our spiritual impoverishment because of our sin. But we always depart from Bethlehem rich in Christ, don't we? Rich in his forgiveness, rich in eternal life, rich in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, rich in word and sacrament, and rich because we have each other to encourage one another in the faith. Those are the true riches of life. The riches that we have in Christ our Savior. As an adult, Jesus teaches people about riches and how they're to be used. He warns, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consumes and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Money, riches, wealth, Power, gold, silver, diamonds. None of these things are to be our idol. None of these things are to be our God that replaced the one true God. We must be willing to forego the wealth and the comfort of this world or at least put our wealth and comforts, our possessions, into proper perspective especially when they begin to interfere, injure, hurt our relationship 
with the one who has created us and redeemed us. Some time ago, a street evangelist handed me a card. And on the card was this question. No doubt you've heard this question before. You even probably contemplated this question before. But it said, if you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? And that made me stop and think about my relationship with the Lord, with Jesus Christ. Am I reflecting Jesus in my day-to-day living? Am I taking a stand against evil and defending what's right in God's eyes? Or do I find myself compromising with the ways of a godless world to the point that it's quite impossible to see the difference between me and a non-Christian? Really, that's a question that all of us would be well to consider. Are there any noticeable differences between us and our non-Christian acquaintances in terms of our worldviews or our beliefs or our values? Is there any difference in the way that we order and prioritize the things in our life? Does our life simply reflect theirs? If so, then maybe it's worth asking, why? Why? And then repenting of our sin and receiving God's forgiveness and making the necessary changes by the power of the Holy Spirit in the way that we live our lives and order our lives. You see, an ever-present danger for us is that we can become so relevant to the world that we forget whose we are and who we are in Christ. We can easily lose our distinctiveness as Christians when we become entangled with the values and the beliefs of society, when we allow the riches and the comforts of this sinful world to become ours. There's a silly story that makes this point. It goes like this. There once was a man who loved the color yellow. He had yellow carpet in his home. He had yellow drapes, yellow furniture, a yellow bedspread, yellow pajamas. And one day he became very ill and he, contact, he contracted yellow jaundice. His wife sent for the doctor to examine him. And his wife showed the doctor into the man's bedroom. And shortly, the doctor came out of the room. And the wife asked how her husband was doing. And the physician replied, how he's doing? I don't know. I couldn't find him. I told you it was silly. In fact, I know it's downright absurd. But it makes the real point that we must ever be watchful that we do not become lost in the worldly ways of our age. And then we just blend in. We just blend in and in the process forfeit or forsake the riches that we have in Christ. The color today is gold. I pray that we have all learned the golden lesson that the wise men learned 
that to be eternally happy, to truly experience joy in this life, and to be at peace in this life, we're to put Jesus Christ first. We're to put him first above all other things, all earthly gold. It means that we get down on our hands and knees daily, so to speak, and we worship him, just as the wise men did. And when we do, we will understand the true meaning of wealth. We'll understand the words of St. Paul when he wrote, Godliness with contentment is great gain. We brought nothing into the world. We can take nothing out of it. We will be content with food and clothing. So instead, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. As we enter 2022, my prayer is that you and your family and your friends will experience the wealth of happiness and joy in God's great love through Jesus Christ. And so have a happy, blessed, peaceful, and joy-filled new year. My friends, happy new year. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all our understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.